This is the Berman Method Podcast featuring Dr. Jake Berman and physician assistant Jenny Berman. We are here to treat problems and not symptoms. Disclaimer, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and not to treat anyone or to give medical advice. If you are interested in any information that we are giving and would like to use this for yourself, we recommend that you contact your primary care physician or reach out to us and ask us questions about yourself specifically. Enjoy. And we're back for the Berman Method podcast where we are treating problems and not symptoms. We are David against Goliath going against the corporate medical system. My name is Dr. Jake Berman. I'm here with my lovely wife. Jenny Merman, physician assistant. What's happening, JBB? <laughs> Remember, that's her nickname, JBB. That's Jenny Bear Berman. So now you guys know her on a personal level like I do. Yeah. <laughs> we got a very interesting topic today, one that a lot of people love talking about, and they don't really know what they're talking about. So we're going to shed some light on it today. The topic of calories. Ooh. Calories, a form of energy, right? Yes. Typic- or, yeah, if you break it down to basic definition, a calorie is a form of energy. However, what we want to talk about today is not all calories are created equal, A, and talking about which calories you should be focusing on, how many of them you should be focusing on and what times and the sequencing of them and pretty much breaking it down to calories in do not equal calories out, which is something that I had to learn the hard way because before you, before we went through our entire um, ordeal back when you got into PA school and you lost all that weight and it took us down this journey of functional medicine, I simply thought of weight management as simple as calories in, calories out. I really thought it was that simple where if you were overweight and you wanted to lose some weight, put the damn fork down. I thought it was that simple. If you were underweight and you wanted to gain weight, I thought it was as simple as let's eat some pizza. Let's eat some ice cream. Let's pound the cookies, baby. Not even close to the truth, is it? Not even close. And we learned, yes, you learned that the hard way when I was going through all of my issues trying to get back to my normal weight. And it wasn't just about eating, eating, eating. I wasn't eating the right things. Very interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. So you want to get started with it? Yeah, let's talk. Let's let's learn something. Well, let's start at the beginning then. Let's talk about carbs, sugars, proteins, fats, and this crazy term that I've been hearing going around a lot lately called macronutrients. Yeah, it's a good starting point. So, you know, many years ago, it was just calories in, calories out to lose weight. And now people are starting to learn more about macronutrients, meaning proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. Now, sugars go into carbohydrates. So carbs and sugars are interchangeable in this case, in this podcast. I'm probably going to use them interchangeably. So overall, calories are made up of these macronutrients, the proteins, the carbohydrates, and the fats. And that's going to be our main focus. Wait a second. I think we need to re- uh, recite or say it again what you just said because you said 
carbs and sugars are synonymous? They are. They are. So carbohydrates break down into sugar. So when you read something and it says it has 14 grams of added sugar, or you know, you're looking at candy versus bread, really these are going to be the same, the body is going to react to these the same way, whether it's sugar, fruit, potatoes, peas, corn, pasta, bread, pastries, donuts, all of these act the same. Did you just say fruit? Fruit. Fruit is a sugar, believe it or not. So I could either eat some cantaloupe or some strawberries or a cookie? Well, the body's going to react to them pretty much the same way when it comes to the metabolism. Now, of course, fruit has healthy antioxidants in it, which is good for the body, whereas cookies don't necessarily have antioxidants in them. But yes, at the end of the day, the body is going to metabolize those types of sugars essentially the same. Very important. I think we could do a whole entire podcast on the sugars that are in fruits alone because it's a huge misnomer or... I'm looking for the wrong, a different word or term right now, but there's a lot of our demographic, specifically my demographic, the 60, 70 plus year olds out there that think that having some peanut butter toast and a bowl of fruit for breakfast is a very healthy, well-balanced breakfast to start your day. And based off of what you're telling me right now, they're essentially eating six, seven cookies. <laughs> I guess you could put it that way. But yes, they're uh, they're basically getting two different carbohydrates and one serving of fat. The fat coming from the peanut butter, the two different carb servings coming from the bread and the fruit. Again, we have to balance our macronutrients, the protein, carbs, and fats in a way that works for specific metabolisms. I can't look at you and tell you your macros and they're exact the exact same as your mom's. That's not the case. Um, everybody has different amounts of macronutrients they need in their day, depending on what their goals are, if they want weight loss, weight gain, muscle toning, how much activity they're doing, what their stress level is like. These are all ways for us to to determine the right macros. And so to get back to what you said, yeah, if they're eating a bowl of fruit and peanut butter toast, they're really not getting any protein and getting double carbohydrates. Bummer. Well, let's talk more about that on another podcast because I really think that we could spend an entire episode on that alone. Let's get into some good stuff that people want to talk about or want to know about right now, specifically calorie deficits for weight loss. I was under the impression, remember, pre-Jenny, pre-going on this functional medicine adventure, calories in equals calories out. So if you wanted to lose weight, well, put the damn fork down and skip a meal do this, do that. Just don't consume as many calories. However, I'm pretty sure you're going to tell me that that's not the right way to do it. Now, at the end of the day, yes, we have to be in a calorie deficit to be able to lose weight if that's our goal. However, there is a certain way of getting those calories to be in a deficit, number one. And number two, we don't necessarily always have to create a deficit by eating less calories, whereas we can create a deficit by increasing our activity level. So for people, say, who have something called insulin resistance, which we've talked about 
about a couple of times on this podcast, but just to remind you, insulin resistance is a metabolic dysfunction in which we are not metabolizing our food efficiently, specifically carbohydrates and sugar. So we store carbs and sugar when we have insulin resistance, which turns to fat rather than actually utilizing food for fuel to give us energy to burn fat. So for people who have this type of insulin resistance, which is majority of the population, we actually have to have a balance between our protein and our carbohydrates to be able to lose fat. So again, going back to we just can't eat less if we're you know only eating 900 calories, but our carb, ratio, carb to protein ratio is not efficient, then we're not actually going to lose weight. You're just going to be in a starvation phase, not making any progress versus if we actually get more protein and balance that with our carbohydrates, and it's not a 50 to 50 balance, it really is patient specific, but getting enough protein to actually give the cells fuel in order to burn fat. That's very important because a lot of people are scared or apprehensive to eat more protein while they're trying to lose weight because they think that it's a bad thing, right? Right. So a lot of people, you know, can classify protein as bad because we hear all this new upcoming uh, research showing that we should avoid animal protein for one reason or the other. And for one, if you're doing the right types of animal protein, it's actually very, very important for the body for specific vitamins. So, you know, ground turkey, lean chicken, lean pork loins, not necessarily pork chops, but fish, shrimp, and really just trying to limit the red meat. But the other side of that is we don't have to just focus on animal protein. I have many clients who are vegetarians or vegans even that don't even even eat fish or eggs, uh, that we can still get the adequate right amount of protein without overdoing the carbohydrates. That's a good point to talk about there because the most common thing that I hear you tell people is they're not consuming enough protein, specifically with your clients that are coming in for weight loss. Mm -hmm. The number one most common thing I hear you tell people is you're not consuming enough protein. And you get a lot of pushback from that because it's it's almost like this mental barrier where you're telling these people you have to consume more protein, specifically the ladies. They give you the most pushback, at least from my perspective. And they keep saying, how am I supposed to get that much protein in? However, I think it's important that we tell people why they need the protein when you're trying to do weight loss. Because let me, let me say it from a layman's term. Obviously, you're the expert over there. However, the way that I understand it is if you're trying to lose weight, all weight loss is not created equally. Or let me say it this way. You can lose five pounds of fat or five pounds of muscle. You don't want to lose five pounds of muscle. You want to lose five pounds of fat. If you don't consume enough protein, you will not be able to support the muscle that you currently have, which means that you're going to lose both fat and muscle at the same time, where your strategy focuses on maintaining muscle and losing fat. Did I say that? In layman's terms, clearly enough. Yes, that was good. So 
what he's referring to is we have a body composition scale in our office, which is a scale that actually a professional grade scale that actually breaks down fat, fat free mass, which is your muscle, your bone, your organ, your water tells me the the basal metabolic rate, meaning how many cake cows can you consume at rest. Um, so by watching this scale every week, I'm able to ensure that we're actually losing fat mass and not muscle or water. We don't want to really lose muscle or water weight. In order to prevent a breakdown of muscle, we have to consume enough protein for muscle recovery, but also the protein is what actually provides the body the energy to burn off fat and sugar, rather than if we don't have that energy, where the body's going to start taking from the muscle to get energy, which is what causes the breakdown of the muscle and the muscle mass loss. Okay, very nice. Does that lead into what we hear about is called metabolism, is it? Yeah, so the metabolism is how the body how the body is getting energy into the cells to break down things like fat and sugar. When we don't get the food into the cells for fuel, the body then is going to start storing food as sugar to provide short-term energy. But that also slows down the metabolism because the blood sugar then is rising and falling and rising and falling. And this really just disrupts the body knowing what we're trying to do. And so the metabolism actually slows down versus if we are able to get the food into the cells for energy, then the blood sugar is more stable. And yes, that that process of the body being able to utilize that fuel in the cell to burn the food that's coming in rather than storing it is going to be a more efficient cycle, which is the metabolism. Okay. So is that leading into it takes longer to break down proteins than it does carbs or sugars, right? And it that's does. that's yeah. leading to that spiking in blood sugar that you're talking about. Right. So carbohydrates are fast acting energy and they carbohydrates actually cause a release of insulin to try to stabilize the blood sugar because when we eat Naturally, our blood sugar rises some. However, in people who are not, who have that insulin resistance or are not metabolizing their food efficiently, the blood sugar actually spikes. And then we have to create insulin to try to stabilize that. But then, you know, going back to the insulin resistance, when our body is constantly releasing insulin to try to stabilize our blood sugar, the pancreas, which is where the insulin comes from, wears out. And that's what leads this insulin resistance, where the body is then not responding to insulin the way it should. So carbohydrates will cause that higher spike of the blood sugar, which causes more of that release of insulin. However, protein will not stimulate the glucose as much and actually helps, the protein actually helps to break down the glucose. So we're not storing the food as sugar. The other part of that is, yes, it takes the body longer and a lot more energy to break down protein, which then also, one, we're not as hungry when we eat more protein because the energy is lasting a little longer. But two, the metabolism is actually revved up more because it requires more energy to break down that protein. Very nice. So if we came back to Jake terms or layman's terms here, protein actually enhances the glucose glucose clearance from the blood right. meaning that we're 
not storing the sugar. It's not turning into fat, aka when you're storing something, aka we're turning into adipose, adipose tissue or fat. Right. Right. Yep. Okay. So does this take us into the next topic of skipping meals? It's a good question. So we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. I sincerely dislike when people skip meals. <laughs> <laughs> you should have is... seen her. She's all getting all flustered right now. I wish this was a video just for this moment right now. Just for my face. I'm like, <laughs> skipping meals is not good on so many levels. Now, people will ask me about intermittent fasting, and that's a completely different topic. But overall, skipping meals during the day, so either not eating breakfast or maybe having a little bite for breakfast and then skipping lunch and really just focusing all your calories on dinner. This doesn't work for the metabolism. Multiple reasons. Well, to take a step back, people will say, but I have to be in a calorie deficit so I can't afford to eat all three meals. And that is not true. Again, we're going back to if your macros are on point for the day, your calories will fall into place for weight loss if that's your goal. We will we set up your macros to fit in a weight loss calorie level uh, without actually focusing on calories or skipping meals. So why is skipping meals not good for you? A couple of reasons. One, if we're not eating during the day, then but we're doing things besides laying in bed, like we're working and using our brain or we're exercising, we're walking, we're on our feet. All of these things require energy. And so when we're going long periods without eating, the body again is going to start breaking down muscle to get energy, number one. But number two, the blood sugar level starts to really decline. And when our blood sugar level is going into a low unsafe low range and we're not eating, the body will actually start releasing insulin to try to stabilize the sugar. And again, when we have more insulin, this actually causes the body to store food when we finally do eat it. So if you're ever getting to a I'm starving phase, chances are the next meal you eat, your body's going to store that food as sugar. And remember, sugar turns to fat. I think that it's important to tell everybody when we break this thing down on a caveman type level, the way the body works is when it perceives these longer periods of time between meals, it goes into a protection mode where if you go through this long period of time from meal to meal, your body, your brain doesn't know when you're going to get the next meal. So when you do get that next meal, it's more likely to store it, aka turn it into fat because it doesn't know when it's going to get the next one. Right. Is that what we're talking right. about here? So it's starting, trying to store energy because it doesn't know when you're going to eat again, put things into the reserves. But again, you know, we're not in a situation, most of us, where we have to go 21 days without eating. If we're going 21 days without eating, sure, the body needs to store food for in the reserve for energy later, but most likely you're going to eat again eight hours later. And so we don't really need to be storing food, but it does that, yes, as a protection. Okay. And also to be clear, what we're talking about here is not intermittent fasting. We're not talking about fasting. We're talking about people that wake up and they have a slice of bread for breakfast and they skip lunch and quote unquote, save their calories for dinner because they think that going into that calorie deficit, they're going to lose weight. However, what you're telling me is because they had that piece of bread 
first thing in the morning, that already stimulated some type of cellular things out on the cellular level where it's actually shooting yourself in the foot and making things worse than if you just completely skip that piece of bread all to get all to begin with, right? Yeah, essentially. But again, there's other, you know, skipping breakfast isn't exactly good for the metabolism either. But again, these are, are different uh, episodes, the intermittent fasting, the, you know, not eating breakfast. The other part of skipping meals, though, is, you know, people think, well, I'll just put most of my calories into dinner. Well, your body can only metabolize so many calories and so many of the macronutrients at one one sitting. So, you know, on a general level, this isn't for everyone, especially if you're a male and exercising consistently, but generally the body can only metabolize about 40 grams of protein at one sitting. So if we say, oh, I'm going to skip, you know, do a very small breakfast, skip lunch, and then wait to do it all at dinner, the chances are you're eating too many of the macros, which again, macros are great, but you're eating too many of them for the body to actually metabolize all that. So then again, it goes into a storing phase. I think this is very important. Let's let's give somebody a let's give everybody listening a very realistic view on what does 40 grams of protein look like. Let's talk about going out to the steakhouse and ordering that T-bone steak. So usually when you go into a steakhouse, the steaks are going to be anywhere from 8 to 16 ounces. Sometimes I've seen, even seen on a menu a 32 ounce steak yeah. like what does that even give me mean? A side of cow. But so Generally, you know, this is a very generalized term for um, men and women, but I'll usually recommend for one serving about four to five ounces of protein. So if you're going to the steakhouse and you get an eight ounce filet on your plate, we're talking about only half of that filet for one meal, which people most of the time, you know, if they see that eight ounce filet, they're going to eat that eight ounce filet when really we should be cutting that in half and taking the other half home. Again, that's very general, doesn't specify for male exercises, male exercisers, female exercisers, just a general portion size. Okay, so what about that T-bone steak? Just give me a ballpark. How much? How many? How many grams of protein would you guesstimate that a T-bone steak has? Like how many ounces, though? Oh my gosh! I need to know how many ounces. I can't just tell you what if it's sixteen. Okay, so sixteen ounce steak would probably be. Let me think. I gotta do some math in my head. So we're looking at. 70 to 80 grams of protein <laughs> in that 16 ounce steak. So double the amount of protein in one steak. Right. And how many times have we been out with people and just see them completely massacre a T-bone steak? Well, and you know, the protein's one thing, but what about the fat content in that T-bone steak? That's probably double your daily dose of protein, of fat. And the baked potato with it and the buttered vegetables, if there's any buttered vegetables, maybe mm -hmm. some French fries that go with it. Yeah. So now we're looking at one meal is, you know, two days worth of certain macros. And then just so we can be as clear as possible, you eat a 16 ounce T-bone steak that has 80 grams of protein in it, but we can only metabolize 40 of those grams of protein. What happens to the other 40 grams of protein? We start storing it. And remember, what? stored food, even protein, if it's too much in one, you know, one macro will turn to fat. 
that's a huge take-home message. I think that we should wrap things up right there. Just because you had 80 grams of protein, a 16-ounce steak, only 40 of it is going to go towards your muscles. For one meal. For one meal. Right, at one sitting. Yeah, one sitting. Only 40 grams of that protein is going to go towards healthy utilization by your muscles, the other 40 grams of that protein is going to turn into fat. It's as simple as that. Right. And again, this is, you know, talking about a whole day, I'll generally recommend, and again, this is very general, don't take it for your own dietary needs, but I'll usually recommend anywhere between 140 to, or I'm sorry, 100 to 150 grams of protein a day for an individual. But again, this is broken up to every two two to three hours during the day, not in one particular sitting. 150 grams of protein. I know there's some women listening to this right now going, there's no way in hell is that going to happen. But it can. It absolutely can. Yes. It's very strategic. It's just like one of those original episodes we did where we talked about drinking 128 ounces, a gallon of water a day. And I said, the simplest way to do it is Before you even get your day started, as soon as you get out of bed, walk to the kitchen, have 16 ounces of lukewarm water and just pound it right there and just get 16 ounces of water out of the way. Same theory is true for this. We've got to get in X amount of protein a day. Well, let's just break it up. Let's be very strategic with it so that it's accomplishable, right? Right, right. And again, if your macros are set in the right place, your calories will fall into where they should be to still put you in a calorie deficit to lose weight, but it is the right right types of calories rather than just any old calories. Very nice. So do you have anything else to say on this topic before we wrap things up? Because I know that we're going to get a lot of, a lot of cri- criticism from yeah. this one. You know, this is, again, this podcast is not to treat anyone in particular. This is general information, but we do want it to stimulate your brain to start thinking, okay, what types of calories should I be eating? What should my macros be? And again, determining your macronutrients is very person-independent, person-dependent, Client dependent on uh, your goals, your activity level, what kind of work you do, your age, your medications that you're taking. So, you know, do some research, reach out to us. We're happy to start leading you in the right direction, depending on your body. Very nice. Thank you for that disclaimer there. Yes. (laughs) Well, I think this this was a very exciting episode. I know that there's going to be a ton of people listening to this that are going to have tons of things to say about this. Just remember what she said. This is a very general thing. And Jenny can work with people all over, all over the world. So if you got a question in some other state, some other country, give her a call and she'd be happy to talk to you about it. But until next time, I think that's all we got to say about that. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> that all was right. a ton of fun. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channels, check us out everywhere on the socials, and we will see you next week. Ciao for now. Woo! Thank you for subscribing on your social media and podcast platforms to The Berman Method. Dr. Jake Berman with Berman Physical Therapy and Jenny Berman, Physician Assistant with Berman Health and Wellness. You can find more information on our website, www.bermanpt.com for physical therapy, bermanpt.com forward slash wellness for the health and wellness. You can also find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and on your website 
podcast platform. So be sure to follow us, like us, subscribe to us. And if you would like any further information, definitely visit our website and reach out to us. You may also find our free reports on the websites as well, where you can download this free information for yourself. Have a great day.